Thanks, guys. We will double your, double your salary from here on out. Two times zero is still yeah. zero, Eric. That's exactly my point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Acts chapter 20. Grab your Bibles and go there. Um, this past week in the Bible reading plan, we were in uh, Acts, Acts chapter 19 and 20, and then we jumped into Ephesians. The Bible reading plan somewhat goes uh, not chronologically necessarily, but there is some harmony to it. And so in Acts chapter 19 and 20, you have Paul in the city of Ephesus. And then later on in the week, we jump to the first three chapters of Ephesians. Uh, we'll be finishing up uh, the uh, reading through the book of Ephesians next week. I love the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is by far and away my favorite uh, personal, just personally, it's my favorite book in the Bible. Um, and so I could not, I cannot just jump into Ephesians just for a week because it would drive me nuts. And so I'm going to spend two weeks on this passage uh, in Acts chapter 20. I'm hoping, Lord willing, that we're going to spend some extended time in the book of Ephesians uh, sometime in 2021 but we'll just see what the Lord has for us. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through the end of the chapter, through verse, the, verse 38, is a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. Um, it is definitely one of the uh, mountaintops of Scripture. All of the Scriptures are inspired and they are glorious uh, to behold, uh, but there are mountaintops. There are um, summits, and this is definitely one of them. Paul here uh, is speaking to some leaders in the Ephesian church um, that he has spent a lot of time with. He spent more time in Ephesus than he did in any other city. He saw things in Ephesus that he didn't see in many other cities. He saw what we would call revival. He saw spiritual awakening. He saw literally that city um, turned upside down for Jesus Christ. And this here in Acts chapter 20, he is now addressing the leaders of this church for the very last time. In fact, he says in the midst of this speech that none of them will ever see his face again. And so when you have a man that is speaking to uh, his church and those that are very dear to him for the very last time uh, you want to listen. And so we're going to be spending two weeks on this passage, and I pray that, it, that God would use it to stir our hearts um, and that we would be able to live lives uh, that in some way reflect not only Jesus Christ, but the life of the Apostle Paul here, who was a man that he used greatly. I'm just going to be reading verses 17 through 27 today, and then we'll do the second half of this uh, address next week. Acts chapter 20, verse 17, says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among, how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, 
I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Please pray with me one more time. Father, we ask now that you would come and that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would give us hearts that are not hard, but that are soft, that are pliable, that are moldable, that you could fit a weighty passage like this down into our hearts, that we would be able to receive it in faith and with sincerity and in a way that would change our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, several years ago when we lived up in Canton, um, we were, there was a homeless shelter up there that we did some work with, and one evening there was a church down in this area that wanted to give a meal for some of the guys from the shelter, and so uh, me and some other guys, we, we loaded them up in our cars and we drove down this way, and uh, I don't know if you, any of you guys have ever experienced this, if you've ever lived in the city for any period of time, but, but most of these guys had not, I mean, it had literally been years that they had been outside of the city at nighttime. And if you're used to growing up in the city at nighttime, one of the things, it's never really, it's dark, but it's not that dark because there's just street lights everywhere. And so as we began to come down, you know, here into rural Amish country with these guys, they, they began to comment on, you know, just how dark it was that they'd not seen this for a long time. And, and as we got closer down here to Winesburg and I was gonna be coming down 515, it began, it was a little bit foggy too. And so it's dark and it's foggy and uh, I've grown up here my whole life so I know the road and I might at times tend to drive a little bit fast. I don't think it's that fast but maybe a little bit fast. But I remember one point once we turned on to 515, I looked over at the guy and he was grabbing the handle, <laughs> you know? And he goes, I'm just glad somebody knows the road. <laughs> And here, here's the deal, is that in the midst of darkness, in the midst of fog, um, I knew the course. I knew where I was going. Driven those roads a lot uh, where, these guys, where these guys hadn't. You know, guys, it, the world, you know, and kind of throughout history, it, at times, at, at different seasons throughout world history especially, it it gets dark, it gets a little bit foggy. Um, it's kind of hard to see. The way, is not, the way is not straight. And throughout history, God has had men and women that in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the fog, in the midst of the uncertainty, that he has always raised up to stay the course. To stay the course. Paul is one of those men. And, and I just want us to want to say right here from the beginning that we too need to aspire to be those men, to be those women. 2020 so far, uh, it's been a little dark. It's been a little foggy. There's been a lot of confusion. And the church needs to stay the course. Amen? 
We need to stay the course. I want you as an individual to stay the course. I want us as a local church, as a local fellowship, to stay the course. Yeah, there's a lot going on that, you know, it might seem like the lights are going out and, and it's kind of hard, harder to see now than maybe it was a, a year or two ago. But guys, that is no excuse. It's no excuse. God has given us a course. He's given us a race to run. The word here for course in, in other places, it's literally translated race. He's given us a course. He's given us a race to run. And as the people of God, we need to know the way. Amen? And so what I want to look at in this passage this morning is, is what exactly Paul's course was, kind of what the nature of it was, and then I also want to look at the supremacy of it, the nature of it and the supremacy of it. But, but here's the deal is because I want us to make sure that we understand our course, that we understand what Christ has set before us to do, not just now, not just in this season, not just when it's especially dark and especially foggy and we can't see much in front of us, but all the time. Because this course does not change. This course remains the same. And man, the church in America right now and all over the place, I mean, I get it, I know it's getting dark, but we've got to stay the course And just jumping in here and looking right away, you know, what exactly the nature of this course is, here's what I want to point out. First of all, I want us to get is that this course that Paul uh, is, is, is pursuing, that he's, he's running on and that we too should run on, it's not just about a specific uh, method or a specific ministry or it's not just about, you know, sometimes when people talk about calling or running their course or their race or whatever, you know, God has for them. It's, it's, it might revolve around maybe a certain group of people on a map or something like that, but, but that's not what Paul's primarily going to speak of here. It's not just about a method or a ministry or a group of people on a map. It's about a message. Central to us running our course is that we are clear on the message of the gospel of grace. Look at verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only, listen, I may finish my course, okay, and the ministry that I receive from the Lord, you think, well, is that, you know, is that to be, a missionary, is that to go to the Gentiles? I mean, there were kind of specific things. I mean, in Romans, Paul talks about, you know, he, uh, uh, he, he makes it his ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not yet been named. Like, hear me, there, there are specific, you know, ministries and callings and maybe people, you are, might be called to a certain group of people. Like, that's, that's, uh, that's, that, that's possible and that's true and I'm not minimizing that, but I want to argue that more central to the exact method or ministry or place on a map that God may call you. More central to all of that is the message that we've been given to proclaim. And this does not change for any one of us. Again, at the end of verse 24, that I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord. Well, what is that? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That if we're going to stay the course, if we're not going to slow down, if we're going to run the race with endurance that Christ has set before us to run, then we have got to be clear on our message. 
And there are different ways in the scriptures that the message is, uh, is described. In fact, even here in this passage, if you work down just a little bit, you know, he says that uh, he did not shrink from proclaiming to them you know, the whole counsel of God. In verse 23, he says proclaiming the kingdom of God. Uh, down in verse 32, which we didn't, you know, I didn't read, but he talks about you know, the word of his grace. But I want to just point out here that, that here at the end of verse 24, he describes the gospel as the gospel of the grace of God. That as I prayed earlier, that the grace of God is central to everything. It is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. That every other religion is some sort of way of you meriting favor before some sort of a false god, false deity. Or some sort of system that has been set up. But not in Christianity. Christianity, we are saved only by the grace of God. And this grace isn't just for salvation, but this grace is what changes us. It's how we grow. It's what you know, Matt talked about last week, that it trains us to deny ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives here in the present age as we wait for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what grace does. I mean, we have got to be a people that are passionate and understand the grace of God. And here's the deal, is I think sometimes we get off course, and what, by, by that, what I mean is that we stop speaking about the grace of God because the grace of God is not central to our own souls, to our own hearts. Many times when the grace of God is not central to our message, it's because it's not actually central to the man. If it's not central to our speech, it's because it's not central to our soul. But if you understand the grace of God, then this should be the thing. This is the essence of the good news in everything that we share. That we're not just giving people good advice. You've heard me talk about this before. If the gospel is not good advice, it is good news. It is a proclamation of what God has done that we could not do for ourselves. And we are saved by this grace, and it takes us the entire way through. And guys, I just want to plead with you. You know, I just have a fresh kind of angst in me. Just this past week again, meeting with a young couple who grew up in this area. They grew up in church all of their lives. And I'm sitting there with them. And, and, I, and I, I'm asking them to, you know, explain the gospel to me. Expl not, not because I just like to give people pop quizzes and then, you know, pick apart their words and, you know, stuff like that. Because I want to make sure that they understand what salvation is. You know, and, and, and even though they, they grew up in church their whole lives, like, like hearing them talk about, you know, it, well, you know, I think, I think God knows my heart. And, and I think that you know, uh, he knows my heart and that I'm trying. And so I think that, you know, kind of tips my scorecard one way. Grew up in church their entire lives. I'm so sick and tired of it. I'm so sick and tired that we can't even get the primary message of the scriptures correct. That it's not about how you dress. It's not about what you drive. It's not about whether or not you wear a little doily on the back of your head. It's not about whether or not you wear pants or shorts or whatever. It's about Jesus Christ coming to save people who could never save themselves. And I'm telling you, if we would just be clear on the message of grace, don't think for one second that we wouldn't, you know. So, okay, so Tim, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And quite honestly, we, don't, we have no idea what to do with that verse, right? 
Because we go, well, all of those, does he really mean all? Because, well, maybe he didn't mean all because he probably didn't mean America because we live in America and everything's, everything's okay here. Let me tell you something. Just be bold about the grace of God. Be bold about the fact that no matter what religious act anybody's doing, it, it's, it's pointless. It is absolutely pointless apart from understanding that Jesus Christ came and shed his blood, not because you, you just needed saved from 99.9% of your sins, but you could just kind of work out that 1% yourself. He shed his blood on the cross because there is nothing you can do to save yourself. It is all only, wholly, totally, completely of grace. And here's the deal getting down into the weeds of this a little bit because I've grown up here my whole life and I'm just, I'm tired of it. As people say, oh, absolutely, I'm saved by the grace of God. Then why do you do that? Why do you shun people? Because they leave your little group. It's demonic and I'm tired of it. Because Jesus Christ came to shed his blood and to change people by his grace. And if we're going to run our course, if we're going to fit, and here's the deal, guys, here's the deal, is this is exactly the thing that got Paul in trouble. You read the book of Galatians, the reason people were coming against him is because he was saying, no, 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 no. It's not Jesus plus circumcision. No, 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 no. It's not Jesus plus obeying the law. No, no, no. It's not Jesus plus only eating kosher foods. No, 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 it's not Jesus plus not associating with these people. It is Jesus alone. It is Christ alone. By grace alone, through faith alone. And if we're going to run our course, we've got to get our message straight. And, I, and hear me here, I, I don't, I'm not just trying to pick on other people. My, my primary concern here for us at Mercy Hill is that we get this right. Check yourself the next time you have a conversation of, you know, where somebody is looking for some sort of help. Ask yourself afterwards, did I give them good advice or did I give them good news? Did I give them information about what they need to do to change? Or did I point them to the only one who can change them? Grace is not just ground level. It is ground level. It is foundational. But grace, grace is everything. And Paul is willing to give his life to testify to this. And again, the first thing I want us to see here is that this, the, the nature of our course is that it's not just a method, it's a message. And what's powerful about that is, is that if you understand that the course that you've been given to fulfill for Christ is, is, a, is a message, nothing can stop you. Like Paul in, in, in Philippians, he's writing to the Philippian church and he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now what had happened to him was that he was now sitting in prison. Paul wanted to go back to Philippi and so, um, uh, but he couldn't, he got thrown in prison. And they're like, oh man, Paul, you, but Paul, you're called to be out there planting churches. You're called to, you know, pastor us. You're called to shepherd us. You're called to, you know, be a missionary. And Paul says, no, 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 that, that's okay. Because my course doesn't depend on where I am. My course depends on whether or not I'm going to be faithful to the message that I've been given, Right? 
He says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are now much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. In other words, Paul's like, because he understood that his course was a message and not just a method or a ministry or a place on a map, he's in prison now. He's like, well, I'm just going to do what I always did. I'm going to continue to share this message of grace. And now soldiers begin to get saved. And the word of God is, I mean, Paul's like, you know, he's like, prison ministry, here I come. I'm for it from the inside. And so he stayed the course. And see, so here, here's the deal. Here's why I want you to get this. is because many people, that, uh, you've heard me talk about this before, but this, this mythical, mystical sense of calling or being, being, being called, and, and we think that, you know, we have to have six dreams, seven visions, and eight nightmares before we're called to something. We're waiting for the writing in the sky or, or, or where to go. When what we have to, now hear me, God can call you to a specific place on the map or whatever. He can do that. But here's the deal. Not if you're not being faithful with the message that you've been given. If you want to understand calling, so many people struggle with this, young people. You want to understand, you're starting off your life, you're graduating from high school or maybe even before that, and you want to know what God has for you, Okay. I totally believe God can show you who to marry. God can show you where to move. He can show you where to work. He can show you what he wants you to give your life to. He can do that. But here's how it happens. It happens by you being faithful with what you have. It's about stewardship, not ownership. And if you're not faithful with the little bit that you have, then more is not going to be given to you. You've got to be faithful with the message that you've been given to steward. And if you are, then God begins to work in that. And begins to narrow it down. And by the power of his spirit, he supernaturally can lead you and guide you to where exactly he wants you. But don't seek the specifics if you're not first willing to be faithful with the message that you've been given. It's about, it's about stewardship. Um, and so the nature of this course is that it's a message, not just a method. And it's about stewarding that well before we get to the specifics of where he's called us. And I want us to look too at the supremacy of this message, okay? Number one, this message of grace, which is the course that we've been given to fulfill, to run, to complete, it is more important, first of all, than personal freedom, than personal freedom. Look at verse 22. Paul says, and now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit. That word constrained is the same word that other places. In fact, just over in 21, uh, there's going to be, a, in chapter 21, there's going to be a prophet, Agabus, in the next chapter, who stands up and he takes Paul's belt in kind of this very dramatic, uh, theatrical way of prophesying. He takes Paul's belt and he binds Paul's hands with it. And he says, whoever owns this belt, and it was Paul's belt, in the same way this man is going to be bound when he goes to Jerusalem. Okay, that word for bind, it's the same, it's the word that's translated in the English constrained here. It says, now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem bound, constrained by the Spirit. Paul was willing to be a slave to the spirit of Christ, what Christ had for him. This message of grace 
was so radical, was so all-consuming in Paul's life that it was greater than his personal freedom. Now, folks, let me just, and I'm the same thing to me here. Like, like let's, just, let's just be honest, okay? Let's just be honest. Some of these things we're going to walk through here. The things I'm about to mention in the first one here, just, just personal freedom. Like, we love our freedom. We love it. But nothing, nothing is to trump our commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ, this message of grace. And I ask you this morning, are you willing to be a slave of Christ for the sake of the gospel? And the paradox in, in, that runs throughout all of Scripture is that it is better to be a slave to Jesus Christ than to have freedom in this world is that there is more freedom found in being a slave to Christ than there is in just exercising your own will and asking God to bless it. In the Old Testament, you can read the story in Leviticus, or how the law, not necessarily the story, but how the law is given of a bondservant, a bondservant. Same idea for, for slave, or one who is bound here in the New Testament is that many times back in that day, it's not, it wasn't the same as what we think of when we think of slavery. We think of the transatlantic slave trade and, and all that, which was just horrible and sinful. But that's not usually what the Bible's talking about when it speaks of, of slavery and bondage, although it is mentioned at some places. But a bond, so just because of economics and the way it was, is that you could, you know, um, if you owed somebody a debt, um, you would go to work for them until that debt was paid off. But if you loved your master, it says in Leviticus. And if you were glad with the way that your master treated you and he, was, and he was kind and you knew that he loved you, you could choose to go to him and to give yourself to him as a bondservant for life. And so there's actually this ceremony that's described in Leviticus where you would go and, and this is, you know, it gets a little bit weird for us, but like he would go and he would basically pierce your ear. He would take your ear and he would take an awl and he would pop a hole through it and you'd get some sort of a cool ear ring thing. And this was the sign. <laughs> this was the sign that you were now a bondservant to this master. To this master. And I just want to say that under the new covenant, the covenant of grace, every single one of us should have our ear pierced if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not, not you, you get the metaphor, okay? I'm not saying you literally have to go out and pierce you, okay? Every single one of us should have our ear pierced. It should be evident that we belong, body, soul, and spirit, to Jesus Christ and to him alone. Because here's the deal, is that this message of grace, see, guys, only grace can demand absolutely everything from you. Back in the 80s, I believe it was, there was a big division that came into the church that's still there. Um, it, John MacArthur was kind of at the center of it and with some other prominent evangelical figures called the Lordship Salvation Controversy. And there was kind of this idea that came in that you could be a Christian, that you could be a believer, but not be a disciple. That you could, kind of, you could be a believer, but then there was like 2.0 Christianity that for some that believed then you could go on and you could, you could be a disciple too. That is a complete false dichotomy. All those who have been saved by grace understand that grace 
demands everything. See, if there was anything you could do to save your soul, and there's nothing more precious than your soul, what will, what, Jesus said, what will a man give in return for his soul? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is nothing. So if your soul has been saved by grace, then the only proper response is to bow the knee and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And see, and, and so if you think, here's the irony, is that you think that if you think that you don't need to give Jesus everything, if you think that like it's okay to somehow not bow the knee to him in every single area of your life, then you don't get grace. Only the message of grace will also goes in tandem and, and, and fits together with the message of lordship. Works doesn't do that. Because there's still a little bit that I do on my own and so I don't have to give him everything. But when it's by grace alone, personal freedom uh, is laid aside. Number two, this message, this course was more important than personal safety. Notice what he says after he says, being constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Paul, the Holy Spirit just kept saying, Paul, it's coming. Paul, it's coming. Difficulty's coming. Paul says that it's okay. I've been saved by grace. This message, this getting this message out of the grace of God to save sinners. It's more important than my personal safety. Number three, and here's a tough one. It's more important than personal relationships. Again, I, I mentioned this briefly at the beginning, but the context, man, Paul loved the Ephesian church. He preached and taught there every single day for three years. And he saw the Spirit of God do crazy things. And in verse 25, he says, And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Because this message had to be taken to those who had not yet heard. Paul was willing to lay aside these precious, precious personal relationships. Here's the thing I want us to get. Personal freedom, personal safety, personal relationships, none of those things are sin. None of those things are sin. Hebrews says that we're to run with endurance the race marked out for us as we lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily entangles us. The thing that is going to keep you from running your race, folks, is probably not something that's outwardly just absolutely evil. The thing that's going to keep you from running your race are the good things that you treasure more than Christ. Are the good things that you treasure more than the gospel of grace. And again, I want us, listen, we're not all called like Paul necessarily to go ourselves to the other part of the world, but I would just say this, don't be so quick to just use that as an excuse. I think we're very quick many times to say, well, that was Paul, you know, he's a missionary, and I'm, you know, I'm just called to be here. Okay, okay. I'm not here to tell you otherwise. That's between, that's between you and the Lord. But let's just tap the brakes on always assuming that we know what God's gonna do with our life. Amen? Well, sure, you know, God, I mean, Eric, I got a mortgage. Okay, guess that's too big for God. 
Guess he couldn't get around that anyway, could he? Well, Eric, I've got a job and I've got responsibilities and I've got employees and, you know, I'm here. Oh, oh, okay. But can God change that if he wants? Does your life, does your life belong to him? Grace deserves absolutely everything. You know, at, at the, uh, one of the exercises that we do for the E2 course, I've not done this with the E2 course yet this year, but we're going to, um, is one of the exercises that I have them do is I have them write their eulogy. Write their own eulogy. Because it's just good to think about the end. You mean, oh, Eric, that's a little bit dramatic. Well, maybe, but it's reality too. It's coming for every one of us. That someday we're gonna be somewhere, maybe with a stage kind of like this, and we're gonna be laying in a box down in front. So it's coming. And people are gonna get up and they're gonna talk about you. And they're either gonna tell the truth or they're gonna lie. There's a lot of lying goes on at funerals. <laughs> but are they gonna have to lie about you? Are people gonna know that the most important thing in your life was testifying to the gospel of the grace of God? And quite honestly, that there wasn't even a close second But that, that that was it. Worship team, you can come up and we're gonna close. And I just, as we close, I just, I very practically just wanna plead with a few groups of people. Number one, my heart has been really burdened this past week as I was thinking about this for young people. Now, that's kind of an open definition or swath of people there, but what I mean is, I mean teenagers. I mean Lexi and Ephraim and Kennedy and Sammy. Like, like I, I mean, like, guys, look at me. Look at me. G- get a course for your life. God's given it to you. It's to testify to the gospel of his grace. And I just, I just want to plead with you guys because the world will tell you that there's a thousand different courses that are more important, that are more urgent, and that you need to go after. And I'm just telling you, okay, you, you, you get to choose with your life what you're going to do with it. But I'm telling you that if you follow the course that the world has laid out for you, it is a lie. It is going to leave you empty, and it is going to leave you with regret at the end of your life. And I just plead with you young folks, like, look at the course that Christ has laid out for you to follow the risen Christ, the risen King, and to know him and to give your life to something that is going to matter for eternity. Amen? For those of you that are not so young, 
for those of you that are older, for those of you that are nearing retirement or have retired on kind of maybe the other end of the demographic spectrum regarding age, please, please don't just try to coast into eternity. Please don't do it. Give yourself again. With oh, listen, I know you got responsibilities. I know you got debt. I know you got you know mortgages, and you got grandbabies now, and you know you want to take care of them, and you want them to have a good life. I just want to present before you that maybe I, I think I can make a pretty good argument for this, and I think you know this. Is that the most important thing that you could possibly do for your grandbabies is to follow Jesus Christ with all your heart? Amen. Is that someday when your grandbabies are testifying at your funeral that they're not going to get up and they're not just going to, I mean, they might talk about the cookies that you made and the fun times that they had to get, but the, the main thing that they're going to talk about is above all the cookies and above all the, you know, fun little times we had at grandma's house, we know that the number one thing in grandma's life was Jesus Christ. Oh, make that, make that your ambition this morning. Make that your ambition. And for the rest of us that are kind of caught in the middle, I don't know what to do other than to just be honest with you this morning. I feel this more, I'm almost 40 years old. I just, I've got four kids, I've got a wife, I have a house, I've got a mortgage, we've got some, you know, we're just trying to live life in school and sports and all this stuff. And I'll tell you the one thing that I'm deeply thankful to God about regarding this whole coronavirus and everything like that is that for at least for a while, even though we're trying to, you know, get everything going again. It's like everything was just shut down. Basketball, which I love, boom, done. Baseball, done. They tried to start back up and everybody's getting, you know. Because I think it's a gift from God to make a stop and to make us think. Because man, like when you're right in the midst of it, like I am right now, with job and wife and kids and family and sports and school and yada, 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 Honestly, the main temptation is, you know what, I'll just, I'm going to think about this in 10 years. Once they're graduated, once they're gone, once they're on their own, then I'll get serious about it. Look at me. That is a lie. It's a lie. And so basically, guys, all I'm saying here at the end is I just, I just want us to recommit ourselves to the Lord. And listen, we can do that. And the, the commitment this morning, it, it's, not, it's not just about saying, yes, Lord, I want, I want to hear you say on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. The commitment isn't just towards that. It's not just towards uh, saying, you know, yeah, I want to um, finish my course, finish my race. The commitment is to right now, today, are you willing to lay down your personal freedom, your personal relationships, your personal safety, and maybe even those things in the people that make up your family. Are you willing to give it all for the grace and for the gospel? Just pray with me. Father, I, we love you. We need you. Lord, whatever it is in each one of our lives that's keeping us from running hard after you, 
Lord, we just give it to you right now. Lord, these types of choices and these types of commitments, they're not, they can't be general. They have to be specific. And so, Father, whatever it is in each and every heart that they might be wrestling with, I pray, Father, that uh, they would count it as loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, for the sake of fulfilling the course you've given us to run, testifying to the gospel of your grace. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys stand with me.